dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. the boundary podcast i'm your host pez i'm here with sauce and we've got heaps to get through sauce uh including a little scare where the podcast might not have happened hey pez yeah it's been a bit of a tough week with you in queensland driving back uh from queensland and uh i am keeping my social distance here to make sure i don't get any of that nasty covid that you are uh, <laughs> that you've brought back to the state of victoria so especially with the afl hub actually being based in victoria where it should be the home of football Oh, well, you can piss off with that because uh, <laughs> I, I followed all the rules. Actually, in Queensland uh, from Sunday, having a good time up there, no masks. So just go anywhere with no masks, uh, indoors, outdoors, everywhere. So it was oh. really good. And then uh, masks got put in uh, a couple of days while we were there. So then uh, I had to start wearing the mask. And then uh, we were I was playing mini golf, actually. It's on the fourth hole, yeah, uh, 18 hole mini golf. What was your score? I, I got par on the first three. Yeah, so, so 70. So, so pretty shit. Yeah. So there was a part two on all of them. I, I couldn't get it hole in one. Pretty easy, um, pretty easy course then, Pez. Took uh, the easy way out. I'm, I'm about to go in uh, the next one, which was part three. So we're getting into the, the heavy business on the mini golf course. And yep. uh, uh, we got a little check on the phone and it said uh, the state of Queensland is going into lockdown at 6 p.m. And it was uh, about 11.30 in the morning and we were like... Oh, I'll have to go and uh, pay my 15 bucks. Gave my stick back and my thing after only three holes. And uh, the mini golf guy wasn't too happy. Not with us. He wasn't too happy that they're going into lockdown because I mean, he lost business. I mean, in fairness, Pez, the way you were playing golf anyway, you probably wouldn't have got out in time at 6 six p.m. Uh, lockdown with you starting at 11 and <laughs> <laughs> not getting off to a great start on the golf field. But yeah, a very interesting, Pez. Uh, made the dash back, so he went straight to the airport, I guess? Well, not really. We were trying to uh, webjet and every bloody i don't know i've never booked a plane ticket in my life everyone else has always no done surprise. it for me and i've been trying to do it and um we was the 29th of uh, june so I, I booked a booked a flight which was awesome and uh ended up being the 29th of july so uh, oh. that was that was no good i <laughs> uh, went to the airport and tried to see if we were on on the plane at uh 5 p.m which would have been good because it was before the lockdown perfect, and perfect. Uh, wrong month though no weren't on the plane uh, that was that's a that's a different one source <laughs> and um then we like, all right, let's uh, let's drive back. So we got uh, the rental car, uh, got a refund back because we took it back a day early and uh, it was unlimited kilometres, which was good. So we drove uh, 18 hours all up with stops uh, straight back to Melbourne. And the interesting thing, Source, this uh, the COVID thing is, Source, that uh, no one on the border, no one on the border of the Queensland-New South Wales uh, thing or no one on the border of New South Wales-Victoria, which was really surprising. They had a couple of signs couple of signs up to say don't enter if you've been in a red zone or whatever but didn't have to show the the uh little transport thing that i got and anyone could have just driven through uh when we when we drive through victoria probably 3 a.m yeah it's no wonder this covid um you know disease continually spreads and we can't seem to lock it all down is because there's all these different borders that they're protecting but a simple thing is you've come from a zone you've got a text message where it says hey get out <laughs> now and then you've driven back. So by the time you've driven back, you've actually gone over the time. So the, the, the state's already gone into lockdown. There should be people on the border somewhere, I don't care who it is, going, hey, show us where you've come from. And if you've come from one of those areas, see you later. 
or there's the tent on the side of the road and you, you quarantine for 14 days or whatever it is. Whatever they need to do. But, you know, they're, they're making the AFL teams jump through hoops and, you know, the AFL have been fantastic during this whole COVID thing. And same with the um, interstate teams, you know, when they were catering for the Victorian teams last year and now the, the tables have turned. And, you know, Adelaide got a call basically yesterday um, and they said, hey, we don't, you know, we know that your state's not in lockdown, but if they get another case, it's pretty much going in lockdown jump on a plane, come over. They come over across, not knowing where they're playing. They might actually play their game in Adelaide. The Perth boys were the same. And um, it's no wonder that this disease continues to spread when they're not taking the proper precautions, the government. Unlike the AFL, the AFL is, you know, putting these teams into quarantines and the Tasmanian government said, you know, hey, we don't want any people coming from these different places. But, you know, the rest of Australia and, you know, these interstate clubs and even Victoria in the the way that they're, um, you know, trying to stop COVID from coming and they're just not doing their bit. Well, it's... Pretty ridiculous how I was able to uh, do. I did everything right and uh, had all the you know paperwork or whatever evidence to sh- to show. But I didn't have to do any of that. It, realistically, in hindsight, I could have just come from there and, and gone back, and nothing would have happened. I just would have driven around. Didn't wouldn't have had to go and get a COVID test and everything. Uh, thankfully, you know, came back negative. Didn't uh, it wasn't anywhere that I could really catch it. So. Uh, all good in the end. Didn't sleep for around, what, 28 hours or so, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Really. Yeah, so it means that you're ready to go, Piz. You've had your 24-hour <laughs> catnap uh, since you've been back. We are recording this on a Thursday, a couple of hours before the opening bounce for a blockbuster Thursday night clash between the Suns and the Tigers. But we do need to talk about last week. It was an interesting week. It was an absolutely... Uh, if you listened to our podcast last week, or if you missed the show last week more, don't bother going back because we missed everything in terms of what we predicted. It was a, a topsy-turvy round... Uh, we had teams, you know, really stamp themselves still in the premiership contention. We have big concerns over some premiership teams, um, including, you know, you know, Geelong in the way that they got dismantled by Brisbane, as well as Richmond only scoring two goals in, in a, in a quarter, you know, in a, not a quarter, sorry, in a, in a whole game of football. Um, so there's lots to talk about round 15, Pez. Should we start things off with the uh, the Thursday night clash? Yeah, Thursday night clash, but there was nine games source. Um, and I, after three weeks of buys, I found it a bit tough, really. I found it exhausting to, you know, go through all the nine games and like, this game's on there, this game's on there. I was used to the, you know, one game in the time slot and, and being all right. So it's I was a having, bit fatigued. It's, it's good having a bit of a social life there. So you're going to struggle this week with fatigue if you've only had a couple of hours sleep, whole day missing. So hopefully there's a, a bit of a snooze game, a bit of a blowout that you can catch your sleep. But the Thursday night game definitely didn't offer a snooze fest. In the opening quarter, the the Brisbane Lions were fantastic. They um, jumped to the Cats. They piled on five goals in that opening quarter. And they absolutely brought a physical presence that the umpires definitely tried to concede, um, you know, from that physical brand of football. But it was good to see the the, the tough brand of footy. And Brisbane, um, as we said, they're, they're one of those teams that have been building. They've got a, an amazing forward line and they were dominant around the ground um, in all aspects, but really setting themselves up in that first quarter. Yeah, Geelong did not have an answer. And I thought, you know what, Brisbane here, they've kicked themselves out of it because yeah. uh, second quarter, Geelong's going to, you know, turn around and do something, but they didn't. And uh, four goals, seven. So their goal-kicking woes, after a couple of seasons now, Source is still continuing and if that game, you know, is against another opponent or against Geelong on a different day, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to kick yourselves out of games because they could have been something, oh, I don't know, like six goals, six goals, five, yeah, 41. So they could have been up by 40 points at, at quarter time there. So it's it's really strange. They, they played absolutely fantastic. They did nearly everything right except for in front of the sticks. And uh, they, they do look very scary, that forward line. They do look scary, and even when uh, the game sort of was uh, taken over by Geelong in that second quarter where they piled on 
uh, four goals in the, in the space of four minutes and they brought it back to 18 points. Um, they had that sort of poise and they stopped and they reset and they went back to the basics and then they put the game back on their terms uh, and they're going to be a really dangerous contender. Not that we've ever doubted them this year. They had a real rough start to the... You know, the start of the season, obviously, and the end of the season, now they're going to be affected by COVID, um, obviously, in the travel aspects, not being able to play games in Brisbane, most likely. Real change from last uh, last year where they had all of it on their terms. So really, really interesting to see how they um, they respond in the coming weeks. They've got um, a, a favourable fixture. They are going to be playing a lot of these games in Victoria, but they look dangerous. They've got a lot of um, players working in that midfield. Even when Lockie Neal went down with that shoulder injury, he still was able to finish the game out. But, um, you know, other players... Players stepped up. That forward line looks so potent. Joe Danaher, Cameron, you know, you had um, the other big fella there. Uh, Hipwood was was going nuts. Like Cameron's just got to convert, doesn't he? <laughs> he misses he, easy, he, easy. He's chances. one of the most exciting footballers to watch when he's up and about. But when he is down, he just doesn't deliver. But like even even missing some of those shots, they were exciting. And they're on the. You know, I was watching the game, very frustrated as a Geelong supporter. And they get you up and about. He's, he's a spectacle to watch when he's up and running. Yeah, definitely exciting. The one that wasn't exciting, the miss that wasn't, he was about 20 metres out nearly directly in front and he's just sprayed it to the right. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, what is going on with the, this guy? It's not like he's just missed it. It's a once-off because, you know, it can come off the side of the boot. Players can miss easy goals like that. But he's it pretty regularly, which is... Uh, a little bit of a concern. Yeah, it is. I mean, he kicked 3-3 three, three for the night. He had 14 touches. But it was his marking presence as well, Pez. He was, you know, it was a really good battle early on between him and Stewart. And he was just able to get the upper hand, lead to spaces. That they, they block well for each other. They are allowed to, you know, Joe Danaher has done, not just through kicking goals in that forward line, the, the actual system that they go have going forward, the amount of people blocking, Lincoln McCarthy, Hipwood, Cameron, Joe, Joe Danaher, and then, of course, all those other players, those midfielders that slot in there, they just create so much space for each other. And, you know, Geelong do struggle against teams that have tall forwards. We saw that the week before with the with the Doggies. Um, they need to work out that back line because they're very good at intercepting the mark against smaller opponents. But these taller um, system-based forward lines, they really struggle against. And that, that was obviously evident in that first quarter especially. Yeah, well, something that you've noticed there, and I agree with you about the Joe Danaher and his complexity, kind of like a, a Jeremy Cameron type role at, at Geelong as well, which we wasn't able to showcase on that Friday night. Um, I hate this saying, but classic eight point game, which is what um, the media would say, because Brisbane they moved to third with their with their tenth win, and they moved over the top of Geelong with their tenth win, because if Geelong had one source, they would have been in that third spot, a game clear of fourth, but they're sitting fifth on percentage. Outside the top four for Geelong, so uh, it was a very big game, a, a big you know wake up call to Chris Scott and the coaching staff down there. That Geelong have been travelling really, really well for a while now, and uh, they've got to finish out the season off strong. They've got to get top four spot, or else they don't, don't have a shot at it. It's a real disappointing end to a good month of footy. They had you know Port Adelaide, Western Bulldogs, and Brisbane, and I think they had someone else in there that wasn't much much chop in there. I think it was Essendon, uh, not Essendon. Sorry, um, there was someone else in there, not much chop. So you expect out of those those four, those four games playing three of the top four sides, you expect to maybe split it or at least be in each of those games. They they dominated the other two games, and well not dominated, but they won those two games, and then to finish that month like that really puts him in a yuck position because, as you said, they, they, they'd climbed the ladder, they put himself in a, a prop, proper position to contend. Now they, they really need to, to not uh, miss a step because they, they've put themselves in a position where they couldn't miss a top four position uh, and, and have been one of the best teams over the last couple of months. Yeah, so wake up call, bang, get get onto it, and we'll get onto it as well because Friday night was a massive clash. We had Richmond uh, versus St Kilda Source and uh, everyone... 
every man and his dog would have thought that Richmond, you know, pretty comfortable win. Maybe maybe yep. not a blow up by 40 plus, but pretty comfortable in the end. St Kilda ended up winning by 40 plus, uh, 62 to 22. So really low scoring game. Um, but for Richmond, the big story, I only scored two goals for the game. Yeah, their lowest score since 1961, and then their lowest score at the MCG since 1927. The sixth lowest score in their uh, actual history, you wouldn't have expected it, Pez. And that's the biggest talking point is that we've gone from, you know, last week we spoke on the show about Richmond coming into this game. They just do Richmond things around this time of year. They're in disarray. They've got a, 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 a shitload of injuries there. They don't seem to be doing the Richmond things that we're just expecting them to do, but nothing can be taken away from the Saints. They just mantled Richmond and it wasn't even like inaccuracy in terms of front of goal for, for Richmond they just they were just turning the ball over like the, out uh-huh. of their defense just turning it over because because the pressure was their source the effort was there and it was sustained for four quarters which was amazing to see we've spoken about St Kilda plenty of times this year source big uh big losses and then uh decent wins and there hasn't been one where we've said, oh, gee, St Kilda bought the effort for all four quarters. This is a game where they've actually done it. They've, they're missing uh, a few players that should be in their best 22, but they've got these these players coming in. And if everyone's trying to keep their spot, Jack Loney, thankfully, was not in the side after my little uh, talk last week. So I don't think he's coming back to play AFL. But just what they did and, and the way they, they tackled Richmond and Richmond were under pressure for the whole game, coming out of defence, doing this. Richmond usually walk all over teams where they yep. just go bang, bang, bang. First quarter, what's everyone thinking? St Kilda up by four goals. Oh, they'll, they'll come back. Richmond are going to come back. They'll uh, chip away at this third quarter. They'll have a big one and they'll you know get a comfortable four-goal lead. It just didn't eventuate and didn't happen. So massive talking point on Richmond's standpoint. St Kilda, nothing to write home about because, you know, uh, impressive that you, you won, but you've got to show that effort every week. So it was a, a little bit disappointing to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing. To, I mean, we, we actually called each other. I called you on uh, the Friday night after a couple of uh, bevies and cocktails and I was up and about for you, mate. I'm very excited. You didn't seem as there, but I, I was asking the same question. Is, is why can't they do this every week you know we like we've been speaking about effort and it's not effort like you look at the stats here where they beat richmond it was all around the 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 center of the ground as well as the clearances i mean you having a a two-headed monster in terms of your ruck there patty Ryder and marshall makes a massive difference to your side right 42 hit outs to 21 that's not a big deal you expect that against no ruck but then 42 to 23 clearances 33 to 17 stoppage clearances if you can do that against half of the teams in the league, you win most games. I mean, you've done this against one of the dominant forces over the last five years. If you can bring half of that effort, and it's effort, to all these other games, you'll be competitive and you'll put yourself in a good position to win and you should be talking September. Maybe you're too far behind now in, in terms of the leaderboard and you've got a, a tough run, run home because you're so unpredictable. But that effort needs to be there and that's all it is, Piers. You see the effort, you see the pressure, you see results. Yeah, and it's it's not what any supporter wants to wants to go through and say, oh, you know, if we had won the game against Adelaide, we could have won the game against Sydney and we probably should have won the game against Geelong. Those three banked wins, they're already in the eight. Yep. They're sitting there probably fifth or sixth ready to, you know, play a first final at home. So that hasn't eventuated and they put themselves in the back seat. They, they put themselves, you know what, we can't stuff up here. We've got to go go like this. But Richmond, this is a big story for me. Because they're on 28 points, 101.5%. They're sitting just inside the eight on percentage. We've got Fremantle behind them. GWS, who, you know, could have kicked Richmond out of the eight last week if they just uh, beat Hawthorne. That's another story in itself. Uh, Essendon sitting there and then St Kilda on 24 points. Everyone below that, you'd probably say, on five wins, out of the equation. 
yeah. not, not going to be able to come into the game. You would, especially with those teams there that you said that, you know, GWS are unpredictable, they're no pushover. Fremantle are no pushover. And their run home doesn't look great for Richmond, especially with, like, they've got a long list of injuries. And we'll talk about it when we get into the, the preview of tonight's game with Gold Coast and uh, Richmond. They've, axed, they've they've got a combination of, you know, pulled the hammer and gone, right, you're, you're dropped, as well as a long list of injuries. They're just not getting it done, Pez, and it's... You know they've got some they've got some draft picks ready for next year. They've got two in the first round next year, and, and you know, a couple in the second round. Do they put the queue in the rack and just rest everyone and go right? We'll reload next year, like Geelong did a couple of years ago, and Hawthorne have done in the past. Or do they keep trying to fight through this? I mean, for me, it depend. Like what was that effort on Friday night? The fight's not there. So for me, I, I don't know where they go from here. Oh, you've you've got a fight. You you're in the eight. You've got a chance. You've got seven weeks or so. For players to come back from injury and to try and find your best, I know they they picked up more injuries on the weekend, but you you've got to defend your your title when you've got it, and uh, you can't do that if you're outside the eight. So they've got, they've got to fight really hard. It's a game they probably shouldn't have lost, and they have. Uh, so St Kilda give themselves a chance and keep themselves alive. But one misstep from St Kilda here on in, they're out, and another misstep from Richmond. You, you don't know what's happening below them. Teams aren't you know aren't really consistent in Fremantle and GWS, but. Uh, anything could happen. Tough, tough run home before we, we move on to the next game, Pairs. For Richmond, they've got Collingwood, 50-50 game of the way they're playing next week. You've got Brisbane, which you'd say is a loss. Geelong's a 50-50. You've also got for them Fremantle, potentially away, and then North Melbourne to, to you know, to their second last game and finish off with GWS. They're, they're, a, they're not even a, a guaranteed to split those 50-50. They're going to need to drop one at, at least to be able to guarantee a spot. They're really going to struggle. Big games there with Fremantle on GWS uh, sitting below them. And then the above table. them, are, uh, the only team in there that's a guaranteed win, you would say, is North. But even North, you know, you don't know what they're going to rock up. The other teams are top four teams. Yeah, <laughs> really interesting there. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is uh, Robert Harvey coaching his first game, uh, Collingwood versus Fremantle in the next one source. Uh, Fremantle ended up winning that game by 12 points, and it was a draw uh, heading into, like, that fourth quarter with about 15 minutes left, uh, controversial decision, which we were, you know, having a look at pre-show and trying to trying to figure out what Braden Maynard was doing, giving away the 50-metre penalty. But uh, Fremantle, very impressive. 14-7 uh, to 12-7, uh, got the chocolates. Yeah, it was a very impressive game. Uh, it was actually a really entertaining game. It was a, a seesawing sort of affair. It was, you know, goal for goal, um, missed opportunities both ways, and then it came down to the last couple of minutes. And, um, you know, Brett Bewey, an unlikely hero, Kicks a nice little uh, out of defence. Got got a couple of goals in there, and they end up winning by uh, twelve points. But the controversial free kick that we spoke about in the pre-show, Pez, um, you know, Brainer Maynard's running back. No eyes for the footy here. For me, this is a no-brainer. He's got no eyes for the football. The forward is allowed to make some contact as long as they don't push. You know, Liam Henry's put his arms out. He gets hit, and I don't think that people look at the actual rule that much. He's made front-on contact. No eyes for the footy. It's a guaranteed free kick. Liam Henry, extremely smart, pushing his his, um, body up. His arms did extend. Maybe they got him a bit higher. Who knows? But the umpire's always going to call that. And then the undisciplined act... 15 minutes to go, 66 all, to put Liam Henry in front of goal, guaranteed six points, just undisciplined, not good enough. And, you know, it, it, it's a tough spot for Robert Harvey because he must see these four points and, and he, that's a key moment where he saw that slip away. Yeah, watching Brayden Maynard over the years, he's a, he's a hothead source. So oh, yeah. um, as, as a coach, and you've probably coached uh, junior teams before as well, you've got... <sighs> You've got to be able to control your your players. So Harvey's got to have a talk to him and be like, you know what, mate, you might not agree with the, the free kick, 
leave that up to the umpires. Has an umpire ever changed their mind on the spot? No, they haven't. So you holding on to the ball and whatever you've said, in, we didn't hear it in the microphone, whatever you've yelled out and, I don't know, sworn or been abusive to whatever, you've, you've cost your team a massive chance. Oh, huge. To go down six points, 15 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, give Fremantle momentum. You don't know what's going to happen with that kick from 70 outsource. He might he might kick it up there. Um, Collingwood take a beautiful intercept mark, go down the other end and score a goal. Then you're talking about a different story, possibly a different result. So Braden Maynard needs to pull his head in in those situations. Yeah, and especially when you look at the stats for that game, and I know stats don't always reflect the, the whole game, but they, they, they beat them in everything, Collingwood. So you say if that game keeps going and they've beaten them quite convincingly in most categories, you're looking at disposals, inside 50s, you're looking at efficiency, hit-outs, clearances, um, you know, centre clearances, uh, stoppage clearances, like they're, they're, they're dominating in those stats. But then for them to, you know, you'd say that if the game goes on and it's a close game, then that team generally wins. It's undisciplined and it's really disappointing for Robert Harvey and Collingwood fans who would have been on a three-game winning streak to lose a game to Fremantle at their home ground. That's yep. the big thing. Yeah, well, it's not not great for them at all. Um, probably, you know, could have could have won. Looking at those stats, Fremantle did have more inside fifties, but uh, more disposals, more more everything else, really. So, um, Maynard, big uh, big call to you know keep chirping on it for for one player. But as an AFL player, I would think that you would be disciplined enough not to give it away. There's players that we've seen that are smart enough to get a little word into the umpire and not give away the fifty. They can know, they can read that line so and know which umpires you've got to speak to as well. Yeah, and it wasn't just that that cost them. I mean, you know, we, we're sort of saying that they dominated the game, but, you know, Fremantle's forward line um, was on fire. Rory Lobb, your mate, uh, he finally started to convert some of those. He finally kicked, kicked some he goals. He kicked 3-2. Lockie Schultz, he had three. As I said, Brett Buey kicked two in the last quarter. Um, Liam Henry kicked two. Like, they, they had some really decent sort of players for them. Mundy was, you know, not I'm not going to say gallant because he just, he seems to do that routinely, just pick up roughly 30 touches a game. Um Andy Brayshaw was fantastic with 24, and they, they did enough there to keep themselves in the game. And those silly moments, again, they don't cost games all the time, and it's not the only reason they lost, but you put the other team who are firing in a position to win, Pez, and it's it's disappointing for, for Collingwood um, and disappointing for Robert Harvey, especially because this is an interview for him. He's been uh, at the Realms a couple of times and second in charge, and he hasn't really had a proper run at it for whatever reason, but... <sighs> It'd be yeah. interesting to see how they respond. You know who's loving that result? Nathan Buckley. Coming <laughs> off two wins, uh, they just get a loss to Fremantle at home. Uh, not very good for him, but uh, very good for the Tasmanian Kangaroos next because uh, they won the game in Tassie and their reward, they get to stay there. Yeah, they were there. it wasn't uh, just um, North <laughs> Melbourne playing um, Gold Coast here. It was uh, North Melbourne playing Gold Coast who were playing the wind and then it was Gold Coast playing North Melbourne who were playing the wind. This was a game of a, an absolute gallow, mate, and it was just... Early on, North Melbourne wasted opportunities uh, when they had a probably a three-goal breeze and they, they sort of just struggled along. And if they can get hold of that breeze and understand how it works, it took uh, um, Gold Coast a couple of quarters to actually work it out, then they're going to set themselves up for enough games uh, at Tasmania. And they were impressive in, in order to hold off um, Gold Coast to work in that could, last comp. Oh, surprising they could hold on to the, to the wind. almost deja vu, wasn't it, against the, the, the Giants? Well, the, the third quarter with the wind, as you say, Sauce, they kicked three goals, seven. And didn't take advantage at all. No. Gold Coast only had the one goal, which was uh, against the 
total flow of the play. But in the fourth quarter, Gold Coast with the win, they squandered their opportunities. One goal, five. And then uh, North were actually able to kick one goal, three, and uh, pretty much make an even quarter against the wind and, and pick up a victory, which uh, Gold Coast just keep going down further and further in the dumps. They do. It's, uh, what is that, six out of seven of the, their last games that they've lost. Um, but you're right, they squandered opportunities in front of goal. Alex Sexton missed one. Um, you know, pretty gettable one, as well as Hugh Greenwood. Um, and set shots as well, yeah? Like, routine set shots. They missed two of them in the last call that really would have put him in a spot to win it but Cam Zerha oh, is he not a man mountain the way he's playing Pez and uh, with a contract coming up in the next couple of years he could be on some good coin uh, oh, he's chosen the right time to actually stand up and do something because start of the year Cam Zerha big things expected from him from North Melbourne fans and he wasn't really standing up was he he wasn't playing good footy um, but he, he's one of the strongest mid-size oh, marking huge. forwards that you can get. He, his use of body is fantastic. He kicked 2-2 on the weekend, but he also had 24 disposals, so he got up the ground a bit. And for him to be that half-forward, getting up high, high at the ground, be another target um, instead of the big guy all the time in the predictable down-the-line kick... Uh, it could be a good thing for North Melbourne in the future. Yeah, especially with um, you know some of those other bigger midfielders in there. Pez, we, we were on All-Australian Watch last week. Ben Cunnington, best and fairest, easily winning that game there. He had a game high, eight clearances, 28 disposals, five tackles. Is he All-Australian this week? Is he All-Australian this week? Yeah, like you, know, you said last week, with his performance, he wasn't All-Australian. Is he added another one to the, the rack and a win? Is he All-Australian yet? No, he's not All-Australian. Right, so I'm just going just gonna to keep coming back and <laughs> ask him. Ask just going to yeah. ask you every week until uh, it gets down to decision time. I'm, su- he's I'm surprised be the team. with Ben Cunnington because he had 28 disposals. We're talking about him a bit there. 17 of them were kicks, which is really surprising because he's usually the handball master. Yeah, yeah, and then, but look, that's um, that's good that it seems like the, the game plan that they've been trying to work into that game is starting to work. And Pez, you know, when you're playing with a pretty pretty crucifying wind in the in the game with a big boot like him, that's when you've got to just just strike it down the line and hope oh. for the best. Well, if you want to put a team together that can play against the wind, you get all the players that can't kick. Put, put Maynard in there at half-back as well uh, and keep going from there. So that, that nearly completes round 16, wouldn't it? Because uh, uh, no. we've spoken about all the games. We haven't spoken about all the games. Oh, it was a full week, wasn't it? It was a full week, Pez. Uh, get your head out of your ass right there. Um, talking about blokes that can kick, uh, this was an absolute fantastic game. We had the, the, the Port Adelaide, um, I was about to say Crows then, Port Adelaide Power taking on Sydney Swans in in a, in a both teams in the eight, both teams looking for a, for a top eight finish, obviously, but the power on top going into that last quarter, and then we saw some absolute vintage buddy piling on three goals in that fourth quarter to almost win the game off his own back, Piz. Yeah, well, when he kicked that goal, they, they were up, oh, they were up in that too. fourth quarter. Oh. And uh, ready to go was a bad turnover by Port Adelaide. And uh, Sam Mays, he, he kicked the, other, the next goal to put him in front, but he had a couple of mistakes there as the sub and... You know, the commentators were saying you didn't find the pace of the game coming in late in that fourth quarter, but um, was able to kick there. Port Adelaide were able to kick the last two goals and two behinds as well so, to secure the 10-point win. And that would have been massive for Sydney moving forward. They they now sit uh, seventh on the ladder there uh, with the 32 points. But to get on 36 there, that would have nearly c- cemented their spot in the eight. Yeah, and, and you know, it's back to, to teams that are working out Port Adelaide, Pez, is that you spoke about this the other week and saying it's about, you know, the way that they sort of don't defend that well. And, you know, Sydney really put them under the pump, and especially with a lot of the pressure that they applied and that quick ball movement, they were just able to dismantle that defence and go forward. And when you've got a forward like Buddy Franklin as well as, you know, like Papley up there and um, Isaac, Isaac Heaney, you've got a lot of um, potential to, to lose a game off that. They really need to address it because... They're going to lose games. They already have lost games that they should win just through not being able to handle that pressure and that quick ball movement through that middle. So what's that? That's their second win against top eight sides. 
Yeah, and Port Adelaide is sitting fourth, so mm-hmm. uh, they didn't. They, you know, were able to beat Thanks. Sydney, who was sitting sixth, and Richmond, who was sitting eighth. Yep. So, not too impressive at the moment for Port Adelaide. No, not at all, Pez. But who were impressive for the win? Because we can't take away because it was a hard fought win. Travis Boak, as usual, gets his uh, twenty five and a goal. We had thirty for the game. Ollie Wines had twenty nine eight clearances. Um, but then it, it, that's about it. The drop away from the next, you know, next couple of best. Play, uh, Players in that midfield really struggle. Uh, Charlie Dixon had two goals. Uh, their forwards, you know, they did enough to, to sort of get the win. But yeah, Marshall took a big mark uh, about 15 out in the pack and uh, was able to fly for the ball. He kicked two goals as well. Uh, a few of their other goal kickers, they're getting them, you know, not from their, their known forwards. So, Pal Pepper, Bergman, Mays, Houston, a backman, uh, Boke, and then Rosie, who has been forward and, and kicking goals. They got one from their Ruckman, Lysette. Wasn't that a beautiful snap? Uh, Especially t- came at a timely uh, time as well. Very, very timely good time. time. Timely time. And uh, Kane Farrell as well, who's got that beautiful left foot boots. But it's a long kick, that guy, isn't he, apparently? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he always said that every time he watches the footy with him. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. But the other thing for um, speaking about goal kick, Isaac Heaney, 0-3. So it wasn't too impressive. And the big ruckman, Tom Hickey, 0-3 as well. So uh, a couple of those converted. Could have been another different story, but Lance Franklin was trying to will him over the line and it's good to see him. And uh, you think he's going to get 1,000? He gets very close. So I think they heard the stats the other day. He needs 23 or something goal. Yeah, he needs an average of 3.8 a game. So 3.8 as the average. So he needs to have one game where he gets like five and then the others he can just slot through with three a game. If he kicks it, it's going to be in the finals, isn't it? He'd He'd have to have the finals. Because what's that, six games left? If, if they have a final, one final. So six games, three goals. He'd be sitting about 20-something 20 something he needs. I say no. I say no, he doesn't get it. But it's going to be tough. Because if they're either out of finals contention or they're playing a team in that last round and he's only three or four off or five off they'll or just six make, off. Give it to him. They'll just give it to him. And I think the other team will just stand back as well and be like, oh, what a great... Oh, I wouldn't be standing back and make someone kick a, a thousand goals on me. That would be that would be horrible. Who are they playing in the last round? Let's see if it's a it's a. Well, they're playing West Coast. They're playing. Oh no, that's this week. Uh, let's <laughs> see who they play. Well, we kick we kick ten. Riveting live podcasting. Here. <laughs> they play the Suns in the last round oh. as well, so it could be on. We could have a, a Jeremy Cameron from a couple of years ago when they were playing um, to come back and come win back the and take Coleman. it. That'd be, that'd be fantastic though. Last last game of the regular season. That that would be not bad. Not bad. Well, I hope he. Hopefully, hopefully he kicks the thousand, but um, people aren't going to be rushing onto a field, are they? It depends because, where the uh, game's been played. If, it, if it's in Sydney, no, but if it's in Melbourne, <laughs> as long as we've got our mask on, boom, oh, run it on. I don't think you can. That'd be something for the history books, wouldn't it? Everyone running on with their mask down. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be horrible. Got all the hand sanitizer out, people spraying. <laughs> Before you go to the. <laughs> just, just go spray, spray. There we go. I, imagine, you know, when Plugger broke the record and everyone came on at the SCG and were around. Imagine COVID was around then. Everyone would be dead. It would be spread everywhere. I just can't wait to see him. If someone running up there and there's a line, scan the QR code, get our hand sanitizer, give him a high five, run off security guards. It'll take four hours. <laughs> just, to, just to get everyone on <laughs> off the ground, just quarantining and check. Oh, but uh, let's get on to, to the, uh, another great game on the Saturday night. This was a fantastic one. Essendon taking on um, the Ds. And the Ds, you know, they – a lot of the storylines say that they were resilient. They had this game – in their control for most of the of most of the the actual you know the whole uh, game, but they were just able to do the right things when it needed. So they Essendon weren't able to get that you know that connecting goal that really put them up in spirits. They would get two or three, and then Melbourne would answer, or they you know they'd shift the defence, or they'd you know they'd slow the game down, and they really I thought controlled the game, and they never looked like losing that game. Yeah, they didn't. Um, I know Essendon were ahead early, but. 
Melbourne just weren't taking the opportunities. They were squandering it in front of goal. And it seems to be a story in uh, a lot of games where teams lose. And thankfully for Melbourne supporters, they actually won this one. Would have been a horrible one to, to drop against this Essendon side. Uh, they kicked nine goals, 14 in the end to, to eight goals, nine. We're able to, to get up, as you said, pretty comfortably in the end. I was uh, impressed with uh, Salem. Uh, coming off half back, he had twenty six disposals. He's a beautiful kicker. The footy is you love him, don't you, mate? You oh, love I absolutely love you. I wish every, I, every time he does one good kick, you're like, oh, what a good kick in the footy. <laughs> yeah, good kick in the footy. Is, I wish they were playing tonight, so I could say <laughs> after when we watch the footy later. Um, but uh, Harms has played his role as well. You're all over there with thirty four disposals. Don't know how effective he actually was. Uh, source watching the game, but um, Petrarca, he got his two goals as well, and that's what Petrarca is, isn't he? He's a bull. He gets his 25 to 30 disposals, but he kicks goals, which is uh, what breaks the, the greats from the, the really good players. Yeah, I mean, that's the. I mean, a lot of people think it's a two-horse two race for the Brownlow between him and Bontempelli, and they both do the same thing. 25 and 2, or, um, you know, 25 and, and 4 or 5 goal assists, because when they go forward, they're so damaging. And But Trucker does it a little bit different than Bont, because he's able to sort of just will his way through to a position to score, and then almost gets the 1-2 and repositions himself in the forward line. He doesn't, um, you know, rest as forward as much as Bont does, but he's fantastic and he's a big part of why Melbourne is being successful this year as well as a couple of years ago when they had that run because he is just a bull. He's such a big player and he's he's just a good user of the footy too. He makes the smart decisions. He's got, you know, his counterpart in Oliver there who's, you know, little handballs here and there and clears the ball and gets it to him and then he takes off and, it, it, you know, Melbourne are looking good again. <laughs> a routine right. win against Essendon, but they're looking good again. Yeah, and uh, all these Essendon supporters, yeah, they're really impressed with their young young players. And their young players are absolutely fantastic, the ones that they picked up in the draft. you got Perkins, uh, Jones and Cox. Now, they're going to have off games, yeah. and I don't want uh, Essendon supporters to, you know, get into some of these young players for, for having an off game. So Cox, he still had five tackles for the game, but he only had seven disposals. And if you're going to play him as a, as a high wing type player, kicking inside 50 and things like that, that's not good enough from uh, from the big fella there. He's only, um, what, about 19 years old or something like that. So he's, he's going to take time, and some of these players are going to take time. You look at Jones. Did he play a good game? I don't know. He had two goals. He only had, yeah. four, only had the ball four times. So is he presenting is he enough? Is he, is he doing what he needs to do? So Essendon supporters do have to understand. It is going to take a few years, but when those players get two, three years experience source, they're going to be scary if they can start, and they've already started mm -hmm. by signing merit and things like this, by putting other players around them. Yeah, and especially when those other players that you just mentioned there, like Merritt, and, you know, we've, we've been speaking Darcy's Parish about the last month. You know, they had big games as well, 41 for Merritt, 37 for, for Parish, and eight clearances. You put in some young guns around those players because they're, you know, they're hitting their prime with a couple of young and uppers-comers. They're, they're an exciting team, and they'll be a team next year, I think, really pushing for the eight. I know this year that they're sitting there and they've got the top eight in view. I don't think that, you know, they're going to be able to sustain that... Um, competitiveness for, for the rest of the year against, I haven't had a look at their fixture, but just the way that young teams sort of fade away, and I think they'll do that. But next year, they're an exciting prospect, Essendon. Yeah, and I didn't pick them to, you know, hit the nail on the head with their draft picks, but I think they have, and they, have. Um, they, they should be really uh, pumped, the su supporters, uh, for, you know, going down the bottom for a bit and, and getting those players back. Now, if they can just uh, put the right pieces around them, get some experience, to, you know, to come into the side, because that's really important as well, uh, they, can, they can be a force. But Melbourne... 
worrying signs, I think, uh, moving into, into the finals. They did what they had to do to win. Comfortable 11-point win. One of the most comfortable ones you'd, you'd probably ever see. Uh, but Comfortable in terms of the, the game style that they were playing. Like, they never looked in doubt of losing yeah. that 12-point lead. It's only 12 points. It's what you said is routine. But Melbourne last year, they were losing these games. So that's a, that's a positive sign. But you are right. It is a worrying side that's sitting top of the ladder that they just can't dismantle teams and just go, right, boom, yeah. you're, you're gone with us. They they've, dismantled- only had, they've had two losses this year to, to bottom sides. Yeah. And is it better to, you know, compete in the top sides and play really good no. footy up there? Stamp your authority. I don't know. Or, or go there. I'd probably, you know, prefer to be able to beat the top sides because you're playing them in the finals. But you've got to be able to get that 10-goal win against the Adelaide Crows. But you look at all the teams that have won premierships historically and they've come from, like, outside the eight. You look at, you know, Richmond when they went through, they got their first one and they went right, bang. Back in, they were just stumping teams. Geelong did the same thing. Brisbane did the same thing. And Hawthorne during that, that first, that second premiership, not the one where they, they, they pimped one, that second one. They just were teams. And that's not what I see from Melbourne at the moment. They could be wrong. They could be a diff- they could be anomaly. They could be the different brand of footy. But when you see teams starting to get a runner and they start getting premiership favourite contention, they're dismantling sides this time of the year. And that's what they need to do. They need to come out this week and they need to absolutely dismantle the Giants. And I, I don't know if they will be able to do that. Yeah, um, you, you never know with the Giants, do you? Because no. that's the next game. You've got oh GWS versus Hawthorne. It was on the MCG, so you thought, you know what, that's why the line was so low. But uh, GWS came out, they kicked five goals five goals to two in the first quarter, comfortable lead, and you thought, are GWS going to push this to 40-plus points? No, it didn't happen because Hawthorne absolutely teared them apart after that source. 13 goals, 12 in the end to 11 goals, 6. They won by three goals and uh, disgusting stuff from GWS here to lose there. It was, Pez. And you said 5-2 to two first quarter. That really doesn't do it justice. Because they kicked the first four opening goals and it didn't even look like Hawthorne had touched the ball. The way they were just getting it in there, bang, bang, bang. And then something happened in that second quarter. And I don't know, like a lot of the articles written about it, they're like, oh, you know, Tim O'Brien, second quarter scream up. Amazing. And that's what really shifted them into gear. That was a good and mark. It was a great mark. Great <laughs> mark. That's not what shifted it into gear. Something changed. I, I can't pinpoint it through watching the game. I don't know what changed, but I don't know whether it was GWS fading away or Hawthorne just turned it on and everything started to work. It's but those big moments, source and the marks. That's what people talk about. Because I was at the, I was at the pub. Uh, I don't even know where I was. Somewhere in in Gold Coast. You weren't driving on the way back yet. No, I wasn't <laughs> driving on the way back yet. I was watching uh, the the Carlton game. Yeah, on on the screen up there, and the Hawthorne game was played earlier that day. And I'm sitting there talking to talking to my mate, and then this other bloke comes from the other table and goes, "How about those Hawks?" And we're like, "Who the hell's this guy?" We're in the Gold Coast. <laughs> There's a State of Origins on that night. Look, what's going on, man? The, Haw- the Hawks. Oh, Tim O'Brien's mark was pretty good, yeah? And he goes, oh, about time he's he's marked the footy. He <laughs> hasn't marked it for eight years. And I'm thinking, he hasn't been in the side for eight years. <laughs> like played a collection of 100 <laughs> games for <laughs> eight years. He's been there. He'd be just lucky to get on the boots and get into that forward 50. But it was a great mark and it was, you know, really good performance from um, from Hawthorne. And some of those young guns that you said, Pez, you know, you spoke about Will Day last week, him coming back into it. He had 29. He was fantastic. Tom Mitchell did Tom Mitchell things. He got 42 clearances. Impact wise, Scrimshaw. Meh. Scrimshaw was fantastic as well. He had 28 uh, and, you know, a couple of clearances. And, you know, Hawthorne uh, are in that rebuild phase. Dylan Moore probably had his best game in his career. He kicked four goals. <laughs> Tim O'Brien had two. Luke Bruce, he kicked one as well just to, to do what Luke Bruce does and just stay relevant all the time and just Mr. Mr. Consistency. Yeah, you know, Segler, he's a pretty important player for them, actually. He, he comes into the ruck and he, the, the tap ruckman side of it isn't always there for players, but Segler, I think, has got that. Uh, and McAvoy can back him up really, really well. So I think um, Segler in that side gives his midfield a, a really good shot to get the clearance as well. 
100% Pez. Uh, the next game we talk about was uh, something that I didn't see coming, but you could have looked at uh, the, the ladder and definitely predicted this. But uh, the Western Bulldogs won by 55 points. But in that first quarter, they probably could have had 55 points uh, on their own. It was a wet, miserable day. And the Western Bulldogs were dominant in every aspect of the game. And they really made mincemeat of uh, the Western, uh, West Coast Eagles. Had the little TV up in the pub, as I said. I was watching the, the Carlton game was on the big screen. But I, I'm sitting there looking at the score in the bottom corner of the Carlton game. And I'm going, what the hell is going on here? And then you look at the end score. 33 scoring shots to 13, plus 20 in scoring shots source. This wasn't a 55-point win. This could have been a 90-100-point win if uh, the weather was decent and the, and the dogs could uh, convert there. Absolutely insane. Pez, I, I was watching this game and I had had a little a sneaky little bet on. I had a little same game multi with a bonus bet that I was doing, not for the pod because I mean, I mean, lost spoiler. It was bit. for the pod, <laughs> but um, and I had West Coast to be the first to three goals, race to three goals to make it a little bit interesting. I was still alive in the second How quarter. I was still alive, but it was like got your money's worth. This <laughs> definitely, uh, it was no way. Was the first five minutes, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this bet. But it was incredible to see that they just couldn't convert. But the moment they saw one go through the big sticks pairs, they just piled it on, and their, their dominance continued on the scoreboard. You know, Jack McRae had 32, Bailey Smith had 31, Marcus Bontempelli had 29 and three goals. And sh- a shout out to Bailey Smith. Uh, we know he listens to the pod because uh, we said, what is, what's he doing with himself in the in the last few games? Comes out 31 disposals, two goals, two. Just be a bit more accurate next time, Bailey, and you'll, you'll kill it. I mean, this is what I said at the start of the year. After round one, I said, put a sneaky on him for the Brownlow. So he's played uh, round one good in round 15. That's two guaranteed uh, some votes there for him. So he's probably finished on five. But, yeah, they were fantastic. And there was nothing that um, nothing at all that uh, West Coast could do. And, you know, even some of those old bucks, like, you know, Shannon Hearn was, was fantastic, but he butchered the ball a fair bit. You had um, Shepard. Again, they had 24, but... The Tim Kelly doesn't look right. No, he doesn't at all. At all. He may, may look better this week uh, down in Geelong, well, where he's back to where he should be. It seems like he's got some some real things going on there with that quad. He doesn't have that explosiveness out of the middle or or whatever it was there. So uh, really, really interesting. But 60 inside, 50s to 38, and that, that tells you a, t- a tale there. And 55 points doesn't do the Bulldogs justice for an absolutely fantastic win. And they're really, you know, stamping their authority and going, you know what, we're, we're in this season and we're coming for it because Bulldogs of old with injuries and we've got, you know, Trelaw and Dunkley on the sidelines and things like that, they would have lost that West Coast side away 100% mm-hmm. very easily. They didn't just come out and do a Melbourne thing and win by 11 points source. No, that's they this is what they them 55 points. We're announcing ourselves. We're here to go. Um, whoever they come up and play against, you've got to give them a shot. Yep, and that's what Western Bulldogs do is they are competitive against the, the top sides and they, you know, they've made they've made their mark against a couple of the top sides, but when they play the sides that they are better than statistically and, you know, with the talent they've got in that midfield and across that field as well with Norton in, in that forward line, they just dominate. They, they, they crush those teams. Um, the line for the North Melbourne game this week is 55 and, and they'll get really close to it, Pez, because they go for blood and that's this is the sort of things that you see that I spoke about in the last game. With teams building for a premiership, this is what you see is they they thump those teams below them, and then they're competitive. And they, you know they might even make mincemeat of some of those teams that are in the top four. But the Western Bulldogs look good. But what about the West Coast Eagles pairs? Question without notice: Are they, are they a top eight side that we're seeing, or is it just the injuries that are holding them back at the moment? I think they're a top eight side. They're good enough to to do that. Um, coming in this little is it a Melbourne hub? We don't really know what's well, happening. At the they're moment. playing Sydney uh, in Geelong this week, but it's a Victorian hub at the moment with some teams are being able to leave and Yeah, so if it, if it's a Victorian hub and they have to stay here, we know their performance in the Gold Coast hub last year 
And that really scares me because they might not make the finals if it's a if it's a hub situation and they, you know, spit the dummy and uh, they've got these injuries. And um, if they can play their games at Optus Stadium, which is their biggest uh, biggest advantage of, of the year, uh, they, they can make the finals very easily sourced. But if it's a hub and they don't play there for the rest of the year, they might struggle only being one game clear of uh, eight spot there. Yeah, they're $1.28 at the moment to make the eight. I'd like to see what the value is. I'm just looking for that there to see whether them not to make the eight if it does go into a hub. But that could be some money there, Pitt. Yeah, $230, 240 you'd probably be looking at there. Uh, and you can give me, I don't know, you give me $2.40 um, just in cash, and I, w- I won't watch these two game these two teams for the rest of the year. Yeah, Carlton I, and Adelaide. I realise that we've uh, we've stretched this on because it was the last game, and we want to get all the good football talk. But Pez, uh, we do need to talk about the Carlton Blues having a. Oh, listen to this for a headline, Pez. Carlton has a season-saving win over Adelaide Crows. You're kidding yourself, Herald Sun, aren't you? So I'm, At just, Marvel Stadium, I wrote that down, and I'm like, you're kidding. Adelaide, <laughs> Adelaide are behind. Adelaide actually dominated the first quarter. They kicked the first six behinds. So it was six to zero, and Adelaide had kicked six behinds. If they had converted there, you don't know what would have happened. Carlton came out in their second quarter. I'm just watching it. Goal after goal after goal. They kicked eight goals in the second quarter, set themselves up for a win, and they still nearly stuffed it up. Mm-hmm. They were up by 30, 34 points, Pez, going into that third quarter. And, and they just sort of, you know, Adelaide just chipped away at it, chipped away at it. And I was watching and thinking, this is, you know, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Carlton's going to do Carlton things. And they're going to sack Teague. They're going to, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll behead Sam Walsh. <laughs> they're going for blood. But um, we speak of Sam Walsh. He was fantastic. He had 38 uh, disposals and nine score involvements. He was my pick for uh, All-Australian this year, um, Pez. Do you remember that little pick there? And you laughed at me. He's no. definitely getting a Guernsey for that one. I don't remember. Zach Williams. You know, he had probably his best best game of his Carlton career with, you know, 26 touches. I want to see Zach Williams. I want to see you do this against teams that matter. Yeah, I, yeah. Guess, I guess... Um, it does matter for them. I guess, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I guess this Adelaide does matter for them because uh, they're, they're both poor sides. But um, Carlton going into, into Fremantle this week, we don't know where they're playing yet, but uh, you don't think they can get up. They've got, they've got names there, Source. But I was talking at the, at the pub when we were watching this game. They've got at least six to eight players that the normal footy fan would not have any clue who you were talking about if you said their full name. Yeah. And and that's really concerning because um, bottom six of any side, you know, footy fans may not have, have a thing, but they may have heard of some of the bottom six players. Carlton's bottom six, really, really poor. And um, just I, I can't explain what Carlton do. There's always hype around them because they're such a big club and their fans expect everything from them. But we've just got to learn not to expect anything. And if they surprise us... Well, well done. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I read into the hype. But I thought they were going to sort of um, bounce back because they, they've got those pieces that should be building. They've had enough draft picks in the last couple of years. But you're right; it's just something we have to accept that Melbourne, are, uh, sorry, uh, Carlton are going to be down that that end of the ladder. We're always going to be talking about how good and how, or sorry, how bad they're, they're going, and they're always going to have these ex- expectations that they never exceed. But um, it was a hard fought victory for them. They got the chocolates. You know, they're, they're looking to make it back to back wins against Fremantle this week, Pez, and it'll be interesting to see if they can do it. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Uh, really important game for Fremantle if they want to stay in the season because Fremantle season's on the line. Carlton season's already over. Yeah, Pez. And uh, while we get into the, the seasons on the line and we look at uh, the next round, let's get into our bet review. There's no official review. How does it end? We don't know. They've kind of lost, but they've won as well. 
No winning here, so No winning at all. You talk about season on the line. <laughs> oh, Our Jesus. reputation is on the line after that round because what have we done? Four seasons of this pod, Sauce, all been winning seasons from both of us yep. every single year. This year, after that performance in round 15, is now in jeopardy. So when you listen to this bet slip and you hear all the losses and, and what's happened – and then we look at the overall source. It's looking really, really scary. And we talk about the emojis. And I've been in the hotel. I am freezing my ass off on the beach with you sitting under an umbrella. Yeah, I've got a nice tan. I've been here for three <laughs> weeks, Pez. <laughs> but Pez, you're right. It's it's really telling stuff the next couple of weeks. It's round 15, going into round 16, Pez. And we, you know, people probably listen to us going, oh, what do you know about football? What do you know about pressure? And we talk about teams needing to stand up. Pez, this is where we answer it. This is where we've got the controversy <laughs> on the table. We've got our foresight is the top four finish, and to finish in the green, this will be our first bad year, our first year in the negative. If we don't get through you know, the next month, it's a tough month, but Pez... You know what I say? You know what I could have done? I could, I could have stayed in Gold Coast, gone into, gone into lockdown up there, come home, been in quarantine, not able to do the pod source because of the bad round. But I drove 18 hours from the... Just to come back to do the pod, just to have the opportunity... To come back this week. Yeah, and Pez, this is what you want. The bounce back round. This is where we answer all the critics. And we're our own real critics here, Pez, because if we get into each other, we own it. <laughs> we do talk about all our losses, Pez. We're going to skate through these losses, Pez, because they're pretty basic. There's not much to talk to. They all failed. Oh, there's a lot to talk to. 90% of the mine aren't even close. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it, Pez. We start things off with the, the Friday or the Thursday night clash, the Lions and the Cats. Um, I put my uh, $50 bonus bet on this one, uh, hoping to, to get some money back here. Yeah, yeah no, good. Um, no good. So that was easy. You went to Geelong, they got smashed. So I I actually went the the route of the three leg same game multi. The Brisbane plus 18.5, which was pretty easy. I had uh, the over 129.5 got up. And then I had the Geelong plus 25.5 and, a half and uh, just couldn't get in there. I thought in that third quarter they might come back and they might, you know, lose by 20 points or so. But it didn't happen and I lost. And, and the worst thing about that is I don't know how it happened because I never press. The power play button source. I never press it. My round got worse because I did not get a bonus bet for this, even though oh. I followed. Because I look at that little uh, symbol at the top there and you're oh, looking at your Twitter now. It says that I've power played. And I actually never press that button because I can never power play on any uh, thing. And that's that's the rule. So it really hurts I because lose it would have been good to get it back. $50 bonus bet. So Shit. That wasn't a good start to the round. Not a good start to the round, Pez. And it doesn't get any better. We get into the second game. I had Richmond minus 26 and a half, Pez. And I said to you, it's this time of the year, Richmond do Richmond things. And uh, they did not. They did not. <laughs> yeah, you lost your Minus first. 26 and a half. That was my first $25 bet 25. that I actually went. Bang, loss. Yeah, the next one was uh, Collingwood versus Fremantle. So I had Collingwood 1 to 39. I thought it was pretty good odds at home. And we already spoke in our um, post-round 15 show just before about that and Fremantle getting the win. Brody Majek to get a goal. He, he got that. He got one goal for. So that was really good. And Luke Ryan with only 17 disposals missed out. So no bonus bet or anything there. And I lost my 20. Yeah, I had um, Caleb Powder to get 15. He didn't get that for the first time this season, which was disappointing. Sidebottom to get 20. He got 25. And Cherry to get 20, which is a little disappointing because he only got 19. And uh, the last couple of minutes, I'm looking for him to get a sneaky touch to get a bonus bet, but not to be pairs. So a loss for me. Yeah, uh, the next one here, the North Melbourne Gold Coast game. I've actually got um, a, a lesson that was able to come up with out of this. If not you, not if, to power play? 
If you, no, no, that's that's the other lesson from earlier, um, which I already knew, which is kind of really strange. Le- lessons and losses. Here we go, Pierce. Philosophy <laughs> 101. Uh, this, is a, this is a big one because I had uh, Jack Zebel, Noah Anderson and Jack Lacocious all to get 20-plus disposals, thinking, you know what, they yeah. usually do it every week. But because they were playing in Tasmania and the wind was so heavy, they're just trying to bomb it long and get, mm-hmm. get it down the line. So those players like Lacocious and Anderson, who you usually want the ball in their hands, they aren't getting that little chip across. They aren't getting the marks from the back line. They're just trying to bomb it long to the big forwards and make a contest, get a stoppage. Uh, Jack Zebel wasn't even able to get his 20 disposals either. Uh, he only got 19 disposals and probably only because he kicked out however many times yeah. as well. So uh, 0 for 3 on that one. And lesson to be learned for all punters. Especially when it's in Tassie and, and especially when they're going into a hub sort of scenario, possibly using Tassie a lot more. Make sure that we are, for punters, that you're aware of that. And it's good that you pick up these lessons, pairs, and you talk to them because that's how we learn. Uh, I didn't learn my lesson from tipping the Gold Coast uh, and lost that one. So I'll start listening to myself, uh, even though I think they're a sneaky shot tonight. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. All right, on to the next one, pairs. Don't you love it? The next one, Port Adelaide versus Sydney. Uh, this one hurt. This one hurt because I uh, haven't had a win yet. Uh, Connor Rosie got his goal, as I spoke about last week. Robottom got his 15 pretty easy. But Carl Amon finished on 19 source, the one disposal one where you miss out. So I got the bonus 20 back. But that would have been nice to actually get something into the account yeah, last you, week. You think it hurt you, Pez? I had him for 20 as well, so he got 19. Yep. Charlie Dixon for two. He did that in the first quarter. He did that, yep. And I had Jake Lloyd for 25. Guess how many he got? 24. Uh, <laughs> Two in the same game. Yep. No bonus. That's, that's the third one that I've missed by one. So no bonus. No, And again, straight loss. Uh, I actually had a win in the next game because I had no bet. So that, <laughs> that was good. Awesome. Well done. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Essendon versus Melbourne. I had a four-legger source and uh, I got a bonus out of it, which means I only lost one leg. Let's have a look at which one it was. <laughs> uh, Melbourne head-to-head. Dyson Heppel for 20. Absolutely Great money he was. Oh, he last still week. is great. He was a dollar thirty. Uh, Sailor, my man, uh, twenty disposals really easily. And Cosy Pickett let me down. I, I backed him in because he hasn't been kicking goals lately. So I backed him in. Had a couple of opportunities and uh, wasn't able to do it for me. So that would have been nice. But I've got another bonus bet to use. In that was a cheeky one, wasn't it? That one. Not not yet. Not no. the cheeky. That was just good value for you to get on board, yeah. Cosy Pickett. Uh, next game, I had GWS at the line minus fifteen and a half. I thought that was pretty. I don't know. Actually, it was an alternate line with a bonus bet. I thought that was really good value. And in the first quarter, looked. Good, but then you know we spoke of what happened and GWS just let me down again. And they're the, I've got to stop going for the expansion clubs pairs. I have all this faith in them and they just let me down. So a loss again for me. Yeah, let me down as well because uh, I had them in my little same game multi. So I received another bonus source. So we see a little bit of a, a thing happening here. But I had Toby Green to kick a goal, which he did. And Will Day, I've been on Will Day for a, a long while now, source, and he's back from injury. Had him for 15 disposals. He ended up with 29, which uh, isn't good for his value moving forward. So I was hoping he'd, he'd sit at around 16, 17 disposals, tick off the leg and then keep your price down a little bit. But his price is going to come in uh, pretty shockingly now. Yeah, that's uh, it's a bit disappointing when they uh, get the overs that much, Pez. Uh, speaking of not getting the overs or getting the overs in this one, if the doggies had kicked straight, my cheeky would have been in uh, still terrible fashion because I had West Coast <laughs> 1 to 39. But at least I would have got a bonus bet because I had uh, Elliot Yo to get uh, 20 and he got 19, so another one that Ooh. I got one disposal short. The over for this game, I picked an alternate line. I went a little bit higher with the over 152.5. If they kicked straight, I would have got it. They end up clearing that like 133, which they clear the normal line. And as I said, West Coast 1 to 39, so that's a loss. Should multi uh, some players to get 19 disposals or something. Be good, so wouldn't so it, Pez? Well, the diff- you know what would be funny? You multi them to get 15, and they get like a dollar one, dollar two odds. And let's see if you buy the 10 together. <laughs> Do you get it in between? 
Put everyone <sighs> at nineteen and a half. That's a good line. Fifteen to nineteen, maybe. A little fifteen Ooh, to little nineteen. Sneaky market. one in there. Dollar four. We'll see that. I'll <laughs> hide my cheeky in this West Coast game. I thought West Coast would win this in the one to thirty-nine uh, standpoint. I, I missed out on two legs there or three legs there, and uh, couldn't get the, the cheeky up. So uh, no good there. The next game was a no bet because I didn't have too ah, much interest in it. We both had a win in this one, so Pez, because really I was good. no bet because we didn't lose any more money. Or so uh, you, yeah. we head into the multi source. I've had uh, three bonus bets so far. Should have been four, but because of that, I don't even know what happened there. So we head into the multi. Port Adelaide had their win, which I was happy with. Melbourne had their win. Heading into Sunday, thinking, sweet, I'm going to pick up um, $134.50, which would have been absolutely amazing uh, from my $50 max stake there. And Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't happen because it was with Tab. I've got that $50 bonus bet to use this week as well. So uh, not the end of the world, but a big fat donut. Yeah, cheap round for you, Pez. I had lost my multi with Richmond. St Kilda surprising the football world. Port Adelaide doing their bit and GWS. So no bonus bet either. Shit house. <laughs> Three quarters of football. Uh, so no bonus. So bet you've gone the you've gone the donut, and uh, do I read correct? There's no bonuses from that round. No either. bonuses, no uh, winnings, pairs, uh, but no movement on my emoji, which I'm happy with. Yeah, no that, emoji, no <laughs> movement on the emoji. So that is a win for me, pairs, because for the year I have staked. Uh, oh, sorry, for the year for that round I staked 125 dollars, courtesy of some bonus bets. Returned a donut as we spoke about an ROI of minus 100. percent Yeah, fancy that. Same for me, minus 100 percent source because I didn't return anything and I staked 210 dollars. So a, a little cheeky 10 over as well. So a little cheeky then, pairs, and, and as you alluded to in the uh, opening of this segment. We are getting dangerously close to that red line, but we both currently sit in the positive here. I'm hanging on for dear life. <laughs> uh, stakes for the year, $2,470 pairs, and I am $8.26 up. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I've returned, $2,478.26. 0.33% pairs, which is actually funny. It must be the, the round of the threes for you because you sit similar. Yeah, so stakes uh, 2,000, <laughs> 2,795, return 2,888.30. And uh, to say I'm unhappy with that is is really, Huge really true. Um, ROI of 3.33%. So I've gone down plummeting from 11% ROI after losing that $210 there in that Lost round. your hotel, lost the hospital, lost the, the hard hat, straight on the beach with me. It got it fell down in a tsunami. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Everything's going on there. But uh, big round coming up. I've, I've got four bonus bets. Should have been five. But um, you got to take it, take it on the head when it happens. You do, Pez, uh, and hopefully the theme for this week is going to be try bets. I guess Pez with a three point three and my zero point three three. But uh, we'll see how we go in this week's bet slip. The fact that the size of the bets was relatively small. Our bets with an opportunity about fifty meters out. I was with a mate, and um, we were getting getting sort of ready to leave, and he, he said, um, "I think I'm going to whack ten on." On Maxi, do you want do you want some as well? And I, I said, Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I can hear the excitement <laughs> best for you. <laughs> All right, let's get things off with other uh, specials for round sixteen. Sunil takes a special and goes bang. For the specials this week, we've got Thursday and Friday night games. <laughs> you've got St Kilda, not St Kilda, that was last week. You've got um, Richmond taking on Gold Coast and the Friday night game source. 
Uh, Friday night, Geelong versus Essendon. Geelong versus Essendon, your team. Uh, if you kick a goal in the first two minutes, if you have a head-to-head bet, you'll win there in sports bet. All matches this round have the three-plus league same-game multi, and they've brought back the three-plus AFL head-to-head multi source. So if you take advantage of that this week as well. Tab also have that head-to-head multi, and they've got a same-game multi special only on three games. They've got the Gold Coast, Richmond, Geelong, Essendon, and the Collingwood, St. Kilda. We head over to Ladbrokes. They've got the AFL $2 lines uh, on Thursday and Friday night games because it's too early for the other ones. And Neds have the same game multi on Thursday and Friday night games for everyone out there. Yeah, well, that's that's that, Pez. Let's get straight into a, a long show, Pez. So we need to scoot through this. We've got 30 minutes until kickoff. Thursday night blockbuster. Gold Coast Suns taking on Richmond. Gold Coast to the outsiders, obviously, at $4.20. $1.23 for the favourites in Richmond. The line is minus 26.5 and the over-under for a roof open. Marvel is 155.5. There was a forecast for rain, Pez, but I don't think it's going to rain there. Oh, hey, the weatherman. The, the weatherman. Weather I had a bit of a sneaky look there because that line looked impressive. Impressive for me. Uh, what are you going with this one, Pez? Yeah, so this one, um, it's going to be a trend of my bet slip this round. and uh, Bonus bets. Bonus bets. <laughs> because what I've done is the $50 one that I got from Tab, I've split it in two source, so two $25 bonus bets to spend less this round and just uh, make up some ground on the on the profits that I've eaten away at last week. So this one, I, I think Richmond uh, are going to actually blow them away, the Gold Coast Suns. They've been really disappointing. Uh, I don't think they can stand up and do anything. Richmond coming off that 40-point loss, only kicking two goals will be hungry to kick goals source. So I've put a two-leg multi on at tab with a $25 bonus stake. Richmond minus 26.5. So I've put the line in there. And I've put the game to go over 139.5 points. So a little bit lower than the actual totals. Uh, and just uh, pick your own total there. Um, that together gets odds of $2.30. Okay, that's interesting, Pez. Uh, I actually don't think that they're going to blow them out there, but that line is a little bit enticing if you do think that uh, Richmond can bounce back. I do think what is going to happen is they're going to try and control the game and they're going to try and limit those turnovers, Pez. So they're going to be handballing the ball a lot. They're going to control or control that in that back line going forward with a lot of injuries that they've got there in the teams there. Prestia's out and they've got a whole lot of others in that midfield. I'm going for Richmond players to get the pill. I've gone 15 disposals for McIntosh, Shea Bolton to get 20, and Jaden Short to get mid-20. $2.33 with Neds, 25 on it, one leg fails, bonus back. Yep, and just the, just the 20. So which one of them is getting 19 disposals, punters? Just uh, be, be aware <laughs> yeah, of that. Note. Take note. <laughs> be aware of that. All right, let's get into the next game, Pairs. My Cats taking on the Essendon Bombers, the uh, country game. It is finally being played in the country for the first time in since 1993. This game heads back down to the Cattery. Um, Geelong are the favourites, $1.22. Essendon, after their um, gallant loss last week, maybe some people are calling it $4.35. The line is minus 25.5, and the over-under is one fifty five and a half. Yeah, interesting. The more interesting thing for this round is two games being played at GMHBA Stadium. Correct. Ever happened again in your little stats book over there? I don't know. I wouldn't have thought there's been two games in a round down there. No, I couldn't imagine. They play the women's game down there, so AFLW, maybe a, not an AFL league game, probably the first time in a long time. And So I'm going to say yes, Pierce. So it's the first AFL. time first time in history. Excellent. And uh, with with that stat, I've got no bet on this game. I, I think uh, I think Geelong should come out and, and take care of Essendon here. But Essendon are becoming that unpredictable young side that, you know, can pile on four or five goals in a row and, and really ruin your line. 
Yeah, so. I, I, I agree with you, Pez. That line is super dangerous, that minus 25 and a half. Um, I know that the Cats have a tendency sometimes to turn it on uh, turn it on their head and actually, you know, just dominate teams, but they haven't done that in a while. And I think, as you said, those young guns from Essendon or those young and up-and-coming players are too unpredictable. That's why I've gone a three-league same-game multi, and I've just gone the Cats sitting in there to, to, to get the win. It's very rare that they lose back-to-back losses, especially in the quality of side they've got. I've got Parfit to get 15. The, the bloke's averaging over 20. He's amazing value at the moment, like $1.22. And then what I noticed, as you said, Pez, um, Essendon like to, to challenge teams. They like to keep coming. And if that does happen, I can see that the game's going to go over the uh, 155 and a half. But with Neds, I've gone and played a little bit safe. So the over 146 and a half, the alternate line, three legs, same game multi. And I've whacked the maximum 50 on that, Pez, at $2.09 odds. All right, well... There you go. Uh, your cat, your cats. You love to bet on your cats, even though if you say you don't. No, no, I've changed that. I've changed that pairs. I used to love just on them every week and just put the bet on them. Now I just do player disposals. Yeah, just do player disposals. Uh, next one. Next one we've got is uh, a really intriguing one for me, Sauce. And when you say the the odds on this, if you haven't looked at them yet, you might be a little bit surprised. We've got Melbourne versus GWS. Yeah, Melbourne versus GWS. Um, I'm with you, Pez. Um, I find this game really intriguing. $1.19 for Melbourne. Ladder leaders, I'm guessing, is where they're going for it. And the unpredictable GWS Giants sitting, uh, you know, I think they're sitting 10th at the moment. $4.90. The line is huge. Minus 29.5. The over-under is 154.5, Pez. I'm, you know, without even getting into the game and asking for your bet, Pez, automatically that line is so enticing to me. Thirty and a half. You got to you got to put something there, don't you? Uh, realistically, for the Giants, I know they're playing on the MCG, and they've had to stay down uh, in Victoria this week. But they they lost to Hawthorne last week, which is why the it's blown out even more. You'd think it'd be around the three dollar three dollar ten mark, and they're out to four. What did you say? Is what are they now? It's four dollars ninety. Yeah, now. almost was, five bucks. It was still four ninety when I when I had my little bet on them. Um, I couldn't find anything cheeky this round, so I, unfortunately I can't go on the line here. So what I've done is I've put a, a cheeky together with this game in a same game multi. Oh, so are we pushing it then? Oh, so we're we pushing it now. You cheeky. It is included in your cheeky for... I, I, I'm just saying I didn't bet on the line because if I bet on the line, it's only $1.90. I couldn't get it over the odds for, for five bucks. So what I've done is I'll put GWS in there to win source in my little same game multi. Uh, hey. A little $4.90 there. Then I'll put my man Christian Salem to get his 20 disposals and I'll put Toby Green to score two goals because if GWS win, he has to score two, three, four. Five goals, something like that. So that's a little bit cheeky at $8.25. So I'll put the 10 on that. Pez, I love that better because I agree. I think GWS are one of those teams that can switch it on. They haven't been able to do that over the last two years of football. And if you've got to find a cheeky... You might as well go for something that you, you know, and you've got a side that we've just spoken about that they're just doing the things that they need to do and that's not where they need to be in this that, that, that sort of um, time, you know, the timeline in terms of premiership. I agree with you, Pez. That line is super low. But what it does do for the betting is with them sitting at $4.90... All the, te- all the players for GWS's disposals go through the roof because they don't expect them to get a lot of the pill. Oh, Nick, Haynes for, Nick Haynes for 15 disposals is sitting like $1.40, wow. which is incredible. Toby Green for 15 is sitting about $1.20. So I've got those two in there, just 15 disposals. And as you said, Pez, GWS win. What happens for Toby Green? He kicks goals. So him there for two goals, uh, and I've put 25 on that one at $3.20, and I think that is absolute value. Even if you chuck someone else in there, you know, like someone like Taranto to get 20, that'll give you almost odds of $2.80. So there, there's some money to be had there. Get onto it, punters. Mate, it's the biggest value I've seen for a two-plus oh. goal scorer, no matter who it is in, across the season, because he's $1.80 by himself, Toby yeah. Green to kick two goals. And we haven't seen that sort of odds 
in a long time. You've got Hawkins sitting at dollar fourteen most weeks for two plus goals, so that gives it up. The next game you've got Adelaide versus Brisbane, uh, Adelaide versus Brisbane source. You won't have too much to say about that because the bookies don't have much to say about. No, that there is actually no market out at the, uh, currently for that game, Pez. Um, so we we can't actually do anything with that game. Um, what we will do is if we do have bets in that game, we will post about it. Um, who who are you sort of tipping for this one, Pez? Is probably well, the best we can I've do. I've got no bet because I was struggling to to put a bet on source without any markets. Uh, uh, Brisbane to win this very easily. I, I'd imagine they'd come in between the $1.15, mark as a head-to-head. Uh, if it's at Adelaide Oval, you could find them at $1.25 to $1.29. But uh, if it's in Victoria and they have to come down and play here, it'll be more so the $1.20 and below mark for Brisbane. So there won't be too much value. I think Brisbane will want to just get the get the job done. So maybe a 40-plus or something if you can find uh, something over 2 bucks there. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at the markets here, if you're looking at the Melbourne GWS market, the line sitting at minus 29.5, you would say that this game's probably sitting around the 30, 34, 35.5 because Brisbane, you know, um, dismantling uh, Geelong last week. So probably sitting at the 34.5 mark for that game. But we can't actually talk about it. So we will get on to the next game, Pez, which is Fremantle Dockers versus Carlton, which is interesting we're talking about this one because we don't know what is happening with this one with the lines because they still haven't uh, put them out there. It has been confirmed they are playing at the G. They're playing a back to a double header for this one. Oh, um, it's been confirmed, has it? It has been confirmed. It's on the AFL website, but there's no line actually out yet. Fremantle are favourites at $1.94. Carlton are outsiders at $1.90. It's basically a pick em. The over-under for this one is one fifty-five and a half pairs. Yeah, well, Carlton would actually be favourites there, $1.90. They so are, yes, yeah. Un- unbelievable here, but it is at the MCG. So I put my bet on when I, I thought, you know, it possibly still over in Western Australia, you get some value at $1.94, especially if it's going to be played over there. Because if it was over there... They'd be about a dollar forty-eight source. They'd be sitting somewhere there. So, uh, I've just gone. I think Fremantle can still win. I think uh, away from home they struggle, and Carlton, Carlton need to win. <laughs> so Carlton need to win this. But Fremantle's season is also on the line. They've had some good players back. Rory Lobb was in form last week uh, on the MCG. They've they've got up against big sides there before in in recent years. They they beat Richmond uh, there a few years back at the MCG uh, after the sirens. So. I, I think that they can get the job done. They're not going to blow out Carlton by 40-plus, I don't think, because Carlton do um, put on goals in, in stretches. But watching Carlton last week and letting Adelaide come back in at Marvel at home uh, was not too impressive. So I've gone a, a bonus bet, uh, a twenty-five, a $20 bonus bet, Fremantle 1-39 to at $2.50. Yeah, I love those odds, pairs. So I'm I'm in the same sort of um, mindset as you. I think that a dollar ninety four for Fremantle is great value, especially with a team that are competing for finals. And Carlton has been in the news. They lose these games normally, and I would expect the same thing. I'm gonna I'm steering clear at the moment for this one, pairs, but I will make to look a, a live bet for this one just to see what the teams are because. The teams are going to be crucial for this one. Nate Fife, a late out last week, um, just before the game. You say that he gets up for this one at the G. Big crowd for, for the Carlton fans there. I think that they can get the job done. Yeah, we'll, we'll see your live bet on Twitter at Behind the Bound. Uh, Hawthorne play Port Adelaide next. Yeah, in Sh- Sean, uh, Sean, Sean Burgoyne's 400th game. Uh, really, really memorable for him playing uh, in 150-odd games, nine years at Port Adelaide, and then the rest uh, of all the premierships basically at Hawthorne. Uh, incredible career, and it's great that he gets to celebrate this in, in front of his two clubs. Hawthorne have come out with some amazing things. They're wearing a nice little jumper that's uh, got a dedication to him. Uh, he's got some boots, some nice little kicks that he's going to be wearing but 400 games pairs such a milestone and it's one that we don't see too often so congratulations to him 
Hawthorne, uh, unfortunately, though, are still outsiders at $3.34. And Port Adelaide, $1.33 are the favourites. Minus 19.5 for this one pairs. The over-under is 162.5 pairs. The bookies are in the same sort of mindset as us pairs. Port Adelaide haven't beaten anyone, and that's why it's sitting so low. But I think there's some definite value to be had there. Yeah, I, I think the 400 plus. I'm just on sports bet. 400 plus, 400. For Sean Berger, I'm, oh, I'm sitting on there looking on. I thought you were talking the line. I'm looking on. I'm looking on sports bet, and before I saw a little Burgoyne market, I can't seem to find it uh, at the moment, and it, and it's not there uh, as I can see. But it was interesting. He was 41 dollars to kick the first goal. My bet is not going there. It is going on that valued line uh, because the milestone. I don't think is going to matter that much. So I've got a 20 dollar bonus bet on Port Adelaide minus 19 and a half source and. Uh, when the teams do get announced, then you know, I don't know what it's like. You don't see too many players play 400, so you don't know what's going to come about. But I think Port Adelaide, after you know being pretty disappointing in the last couple of months of footy, need to really get into Hawthorne and get a comfortable win here. Yeah, especially playing at the MCG. It's one of those ones that they need to win because you don't get too many wins as an interstate side at the MCG. It's going to be a big event. They need to start to win in these big games, and that's why I've gone with something a little bit... Uh, Cheeky! And I'm right on the cusp here of cheeky pairs. It was really super hard this round trying to find a cheeky with the the obviously the confusion around where teams are playing and who's in. And one thing that I looked at through the stats is that with Port Adelaide, when Port Adelaide win, you know, they generally beat up on sides below them. So the minus nine and a half, I've will lock that in there. I wish you could sports bet, you could do some alternate lines, but you're not able to do that. You can you can pick your own line, but you can only do it as a single bet. You, you can't, can't put it into there. So if you, if you do like, um, you know, putting you know something like 24, 25 and a half, you probably get in the two dollar twenty mark. Go over to Neds, you can do that in the same game, Molly. You don't get the the value back with the bonus. You know, if they're offering that special for the round. But what I've gone is to go on the line minus nineteen and a half. Travis spoke to get twenty five. He routinely does that. And the one thing that I've looked at is what Hawthorne do is nine times this season. They've had players kick three or more against them, right? Okay. Four times, those t- other teams have had four goals. So I'm going Charlie Dixon to kick four or more goals, which they seem to let happen all the time, Hawthorne. That gives me odds of $5.50. And that's what we were talking earlier about, Pez, with the um, the odds being you know not so fluctuated when it comes to those rarities of four goal games. He was sitting about $1.30 for two goals. I think it was even lower than $1.30. But then him on his own is like three eighty to kick four goals, which is mm-hmm. which is incredibly high odds. Uh, sorry, low odds. Uh, so I've put five on that one as the cheeky 10, Pez, at $5.50, <laughs> right on the cusp of the cheeky. You put you put what five bucks on it? I put ten dollars on oh, it at five dollars fifty. I thought you said you put five on it. I was like, you're not following the rules here. No, not at all, Pez. But in the next game, this will be a cracking one. One to you alluded to earlier, Pez. This is at GMHBA Stadium. The second game of football after uh, Geelong take on Essendon on the, the Friday night game. Sydney will take on West Coast for the Sunday game. Sydney going favourites at $1.84. West Coast, the $2 outsiders. The line's minus 1.5. The over-under is 161.5. Interesting to see how it goes down here at GMHBA. You wouldn't expect uh, these teams have had too many victories down there because they'd always be playing against Geelong. But now they're playing against each other. Sydney. West Coast, you know, big rivalry of the, the mid-2000s there. Uh, I've got either team 19 or less because I think it's going to be a close game. Now, West Coast went down to GMHBA earlier in the year and got well. absolutely <laughs> absolutely slaughtered by Geelong. Um, Sydney haven't been down there yet this season. So uh, I think these two sides, you know, equal in the, in the points. West Coast got flogged last week. Um, Sydney are coming out. So I think uh, a, a close game, instead of the 
15 or 16 or less. I've given myself a little bit extra, 19 or less, uh, $2 odds there. Put that bonus on. I really like that bet, Pez, because uh, this game, you've got two teams that don't play down there that often. Sydney haven't been down there for a little while. West Coast plays there once a year, maybe, if they're lucky. You don't know how they're going to play the ground. The the Geelong winds can get amongst that ground, that nice coastal wind, which could prove, you know, really telling for both teams because Optus, uh, you know, SPS Stadium doesn't have any wind get in there with all those lights and they can't even get from the top. And the Sydney the Sydney ground, well, they don't get any wind in there because they've just got construction trucks all around. So there's nothing going on there. I can't pick a team who's going to win. I am leaning towards Sydney after their exciting brand of football against Port Adelaide. But they are travelling across. There's no home team in this one, so there's no bet for me, Pez. Well, no home team, no bet. Uh, next game of the round next, uh, Collingwood and uh, Robert Harvey as coach against his old team in St Kilda uh, at the MCG on prime time on the Sunday. Yeah, the 3.20 time slot, Pez. And as you said, at the G, uh, Collingwood will be looking to get his first victory against Robert Harvey's traditional associated side, you would say, Pez, because you don't associate him with any other football club, <laughs> even with uh, even those the head coaches, Collingwood. But they come in as favourites, $1.83. St Kilda, crazy to me, outsiders after an impressive win against the reigning premiers, $2.01. The line is minus 2.5. Didn't impress that much, did they? Apparently yeah. not. They're outsiders here, and uh, you can get a plus line for them, which is very strange. Uh, I've, I've put a bonus bet on here as well, so it's a $20 one. I've just put two legs together. I've put St Kilda head-to-head and St Kilda halftime leader as well, so thinking that they can get a, a, across the line. If Rowan Marshall or Paddy Ryder are named out, jump all over Collingwood because St Kilda, for whatever reason, can't play without both of them in their side. No, they can't, Pez, and uh, I, I am... Hoping that they are in pairs because, I, as I said, $2.01 for me outsiders is crazy against a team that just flogged the reigning premiers and kept aside to two goals. If they can uh, match that same effort or even half of that effort, they'll um, uh, they'll be able to beat um, Collingwood. I've whacked $25 on them to, to win $2.01, as I said, so a nice little return of uh, $50, $50.25 will tie out the round for me, Pez. That'd be, that'd be nice. And if you tie out the round, does it mean you got no bet in the Bulldogs? North no, game? this game here, I, I really, really... The line's already come in heaps in this one. Western Bulldogs taking North Melbourne. A dollar four are the favourites. Not even uh, worth putting any money on the doggies. North Melbourne outsiders at $11. The line was 56.5. It's coming already to minus 49.5. Interesting stat for North Melbourne. They have beaten the line... Every game bar one this year. So against they, the Bulldogs? They, that was the only other one against the Bulldogs. So that's where, you know, it does look like enticing value, but it, the only other team that uh, they have beaten them on the line is the Doggies. Hopefully they're looking not for a repeat of that North Melbourne. The over-under is 169.5 is the highest um, over-under for the round. Yeah, wow, you think it's going to be high scored and uh, the bookies obviously think the Bulldogs are going to do another number. Uh, coming back from the West last week, beating up on West Coast, I think they might just cruise to victory by about five, between five and seven goals. Yeah, this, is da- this is a danger game for the Doggies because they, after an impressive win against Western Bulldogs, it's not a danger game in terms of their losing. It's one of those ones where you'll see a lot of people just be like, hey, this is a cruisy one for us. Like the line looks really good for, for North. You're oh, not yeah. going to take the Bulldogs minus there at, at no. that high. No way. Um, it might still come in to around 45 and a half, something like that, yeah, if punters keep, keep going on uh, North there. So I've got no bet for this game. And uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, I put 25 on my um, multi-source, which means for the first round this season, I do not have a max bet. You don't have a max bet? Wow. Uh, you learnt your lesson last week after after the the power play. You scarred from the power play. Oh, why did I? Oh, I don't even know what happened. But uh, my multi this week is with uh, sports bet. Here we've got three legs 
We've got Richmond, pick your own line, minus 10.5. I think they'll win by 11+. plus. Uh, Fremantle, 1-39. to 39. So I've got it in the actual game, and I've put it in here for a little bit of value as well. And just chucked in Port Adelaide head-to-head there. It's odds of $4.42 source, and uh, if I could get this multi and a, and a few more bets and have a positive round, it would feel a lot better. I'm hoping that you have a positive round, pairs, and I know I'm going to have one because uh, the, the multi here will tie it up for me. I've got 25 bucks on the Cats, Port Adelaide and St Kilda all to get the job done. One leg fails, I do get my money back in a bonus, but that's not nothing to worry about because that's going to be... Uh, What's the odds in that? Uh, the odds for that one is $3.26. Three twenty-six. So you you're getting around the seventy-five, seventy-eight dollars. Eighty-one fifty-three. Oh, Eighty-one. There you go. Look at that quick maths. Uh, <laughs> there we go. And uh, we we're going to wrap it up, source, because we do have to watch Thursday Night Footy, which is coming up, which is really good. We'll do the coin toss. It was a toss of the coin. That fight wins the toss. Yes, it's been an unusual uh, year for coin Yes, we will wrap it up, Pez. There's only about half an hour <laughs> before we need to get this out. Uh, well, Sauce, I know you want to avoid this, but uh, you are still two ahead in, in the comp, but the first person ever to go 0-9 in lines last week. Oh, I don't want to avoid it. <laughs> Well, you didn't get much better, mate. You were one and you were one and uh, one and eight. One so and eight. It was not great from you either, Pez. Big catch up. Big catch up. Hey, this is what we want. As we said, this is the money making part of the season. This is where we have our legacy to hold. There, Pez. It's the first year of coin toss, and if you're a new listener to the show, thank you and welcome. But what happens here is we have a very simple. We pick the winner compared uh, on the line, and uh, so for example, it's minus twenty seven and a half for the Gold Coast. They need to be within minus twenty seven and a half. One word and answers, Pez. Keep it short and sharp. Gold Coast versus Richmond, minus 27 and a half in favour of the Tigers. You've changed my line. I haven't changed the line. I'm going straight off sports bet, Pez. Oh, I've plugged them in beforehand. So the line's actually gone out. So I've, I've got to put that in there. It was 26 and a half before. I'm going Richmond still to, to get over that. I'm going the Gold Coast Suns, Pez. So head to head in the first one. Minus 25 and a half, Geelong versus Essendon. Um... Hard, hard uh, Geelong. Yeah, you have to go with Geelong down there. Melbourne versus GWS, minus 29.5. We both are on the positive for that one, Pez. Yep, GWS. Fremantle versus Carlton. Now, there's no line there, Pez, so let's just do a pick em. Just a tip. Let's just do a tip. Is it going to count towards... Oh, we can. No, let's... I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. It's usually lines, mate. Okay. Well, then there's no line for that game, so there's no bet. All right. Hawthorne versus Adelaide, minus 19.5 in favour of the power. Yeah, power. I've got that bet on that. i got that as well. Minus one and a half for Sydney versus West Coast in favour of the Swans. Oh, uh, West Coast. I'm going Sydney in that one. The next game we have is Collingwood versus the Saints. Minus two and a half uh, in favour of the Pies. And I'm going the Saints in that one. And the last one, as we spoke about, Doggies versus North Melbourne. Minus 49 and a half. It is climbing in, Pez. North, North, North. I'm going to go the Doggies just to make things interesting. And Pez, just to finish one off, uh, a simple one, because it is 400 games for Sean Burgoyne. I really struggle to say Sean, don't I? Yep. Um, the last player to, to hit this milestone was Brent Harvey. So head-to-head, Brent Harvey or Sean Burgoyne? In what? Just who would you have? Table tennis. <laughs> who would you have? You can go through the, you can go through the accolades, mate. Bergwijn. Yeah, well, I'd have, I'd have Brent Harvey. Yep, I'll have Bergwijn. Okay, well, that's uh, good for you. Good, good coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> and just to, just to mention to the Adelaide and the Brisbane supporters, you weren't involved in coin toss because uh, there's no markets out for you. <laughs>
Just a rub in the gut fair bit? Not rubbing in the guts, but I've got a coin toss for you as well, Sauce. Uh, just with my drive back, which was 18 hours from the Gold Coast. A lot of time to think about so, me, hey? So driving back um, from Gold Coast, say, you got a, a coin toss. You got drive or fly? Drive. Yeah, I hate flying as well, so uh, I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind the drive. I love driving. Chuck a couple of podcasts on. Chuck this one on, Piz. Where can they find us and what can they do uh, when, they, when they're looking for our podcast? Uh, at Behind the Bound, you can do whatever you want because you're at home <laughs> and you, you're at your own screen. So just at Behind the Bound, have a look at what we've got there. We've got our emojis going on at the moment and Sauce and I both sitting under that umbrella and getting a lot of sun. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm under the umbrella, Piz, because I'm a. My name is Sauce, <laughs> not not because uh, I enjoy tomato sauce, because I am a pasty ranger. So, Piz, let's uh, make sure that we enjoy the round of football. Nine games. Hopefully, you're not too fatigued. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll enjoy it. Uh, best of luck to everyone out there. Get your get your bet slips uh, a lot better than our round fifteen. Hopefully, Ooh. round sixteen uh, continues. Both still in profit, Sauce, and uh, only six or seven weeks to go. We need to make sure we're in profit for a fourth season in a row. Uh, on Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys.